Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Lent is almost here. What are you going to do? Do you need help on deciding how you're going to fast? Do you want ideas on how to make the most of your Lent? On the podcast today, our guest James Baxter from Those Catholic Men shares four components from his program, Exodus 90, that you can incorporate in your own Lenten fast. And you'll hear about a fun new way to experience dating detox this Lent. You won't want to miss it. So stay right here. All right, and welcome to an episode of How to Catholic. This is Kevin Cotter, and I'm really excited about our guest today. It's James Baxter. He's the executive director at Those Catholic Men and Exodus 90. It is a program for guys, but we're going to talk about how we can apply the lessons from this amazing program to everyone uh, in this process, especially as Lent's coming up. There's some really valuable lessons uh, from Exodus 90. But before we get to James, I want to have a couple of quick announcements. The first one, as I mentioned, it's almost Lent, and that means Lisa and I are getting ready for another dating detox group. We had two of these last year, and they were amazing. Here's how it works. It's a group of people who are all going through Dating Detox at the same time. So we form a group online that goes uh, through Dating Detox together, and you're joined by Lisa and I along the way. So we're going to be there for inspiration, to answer any questions you have, and to add background details and secrets of the book. So really invite you to please join us. Um, Please consider going through Dating Detox through Lent as well. Uh, We're going to be doing this group through Instagram this year. So we're going to be doing it at... Dating Detox Lent. Again, that's at Dating Detox Lent on Instagram. So please check that out. Also, Lisa wanted me to mention that the Lux Conference, the conference that she is doing, the Women's Conference uh, with her and Leah Duro, uh, tickets are still available, but there's only a few left, and the price goes up on February 14th, after February 14th. So please, uh, if you're thinking about going to Lux, now's the best time to sign up. Really excited about that. And with those two announcements underway, let's bring James onto the show. James, welcome to the How To Catholic Podcast. Hey, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a joy to, to be with you today. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. This is really fun. This is a very personal episode in a lot of ways for me. I'm currently going through Exodus 90, so I feel like uh, it's such a, an amazing gift to be able to talk to somebody who runs Exodus 90 and get all the background on it. Uh, before we get into the program itself, James, if you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself, uh, I think it'd be great for our, our listeners to know. Absolutely. So I'm from uh, Indiana, which I uh, refer to with affection as the promised land, I must say. Uh, a, a happy Hoosier. Huh. So I'm from from Central Indiana, nice. and uh, I currently live in uh, in Fort Wayne. Uh, I went to uh, the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota, for undergraduate studies. I was a seminarian at the time, and uh, yeah, I uh, discerned out of the seminary probably three three years ago or so, and have been uh, working to make uh, Exodus ninety come alive uh, since that time. So we'll we'll dive into that story for sure, but. Uh, 
you know, yeah, we've been doing that for, for many years now. And uh, it's been a, a real joy to see the whole thing unfold in ways that uh, were far beyond certainly my expectations, at least. Um, but, uh, yeah. Very, very cool. Well, uh, love to just dive in a little bit to the program itself. I know one of the fun things about being in Access 90 and going through it is being able to tell people about it when you get an opportunity, when they're wondering why you're fasting for some, by, from something or, or why you're doing something. And so if you want to just walk us through, what does Exodus 90 consist of? Like what 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 is this program? Yeah, so uh, Exodus 90, you know, kind of has a, a couple components, but there's a singular purpose, a single goal, and that's to grow in, in freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, you know, as you know, it's, it's a loaded term, right? I mean, culturally that's thrown around so, so loosely and, and is certainly associated even with causes that are, you know, very contrary to the dignity of life and, uh, some of the values we hold dear. Um, but uh, you know, if we, we look at the heart of our church, especially the sacramental rites, uh, the church places a very heavy emphasis on, on human freedom. Uh, in order to be able to enter into our commitments in marriage, you know, or, 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 or obviously sacred orders uh, for those so-called. Um, and uh, so it's to say that at the heart of our, our tradition, there's this emphasis. And so, you know, we've really chosen to to make freedom our battle cry, even in a in a time where that can be somewhat somewhat confusing. So Exodus consists of three parts to lead to that freedom. It's prayer, it's asceticism or self-denial, Um Asceticism is a is a Greek word for for discipline, basically, uh, or exercise. And uh, the, the the third component is community or you know fraternity in our case. So um, all of those things taken together lead to a to a personal freedom. Um, maybe to kind of unload that. Why why do we care about being free? Why does the church care about being free? Because you know freedom is the soil for us to be able to really love, to be able to to blossom into love. Uh, Father Dor, who, who started this whole thing, and we'll get into that story, I'm sure, but yeah. uh, he has this this quote that we throw around in our, our little team uh, a lot, which is, you know, a man who is not free cannot love, and a man who cannot love is not a man. Hmm. And, wow. Uh, so that's uh, that's kind of what we what we're about and what we're trying to accomplish with Exodus ninety. And and obviously this this concept of freedom is huge. And if um, sometimes it can seem really you know vague at first, but we all know if you know again if a man's not free to love, if he's not free to um, really provide for his family or to raise his children or to love his wife in so many different ways, yeah, that freedom is so essential. What are some ways within the program itself that you guys try to? Yeah, get this freedom, and in some in some sense, some people when you mention Exodus ninety or they hear about Exodus ninety, they're like, "Well, this is a bit like this is pretty extreme." Do you want to list just yeah. maybe some of the components uh, that yeah. go into the actual, you know, fasting and prayer? And because uh, I, I know as I'm going through it, you know, each day you kind of wake up in the program and go, "All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna do this," you know, <laughs> and uh, my day That's starts right. off uh, with yeah. So yeah, walk us through that. Yeah, so you wake up and and the first thing to greet you is a nice big fat no, which is a cold shower. That's right. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know many men. There are some, I suppose, but I don't know many who 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 like that discipline much. Uh, mm-hmm. It's certainly the thing we get the most grief for. But that cold shower is uh you know a way to say no as you start the day. We don't drink alcohol during Exodus ninety. We don't uh, eat desserts or uh, sweets, and we don't drink sugary drinks like sodas. Uh, we don't eat between meals. We uh, 
only watch television or a movie with the permission of the fraternity, which is to say that's supposed to be limited as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, as a result, you're really not supposed to, to watch televised sports. Um, you know, obviously at, whenever guys are making this journey and you can start this whenever you want, there's, there's assuredly a sporting event (laughs) to say no to. Right. And so, uh, yeah, you know, this Sunday, this past, this past Sunday, Super Bowl happens. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm reading a book, and it's like in my right mind. Of course, I want to be watching that, but uh, I'm, that's that's what I did, you know. Yep. Uh, so you're only li- supposed to listen to to music that lifts your soul to the Lord. Uh, you use your computer or your mobile device for work or school purposes only, which is to say, uh, you know, we cannot leisure, and we can get into these definitions if we want to, but we can't leisure on technology. It's yep. a tool. It's a it's a it's a it's supposed to be a an aid to productivity, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, we've really lost that uh, culturally, and even in the church, absolutely in the church too. And um, so, anyway, we really try to return technology to being a tool and not something we spend too much time on. Regular and, and intense exercise are encouraged. Uh, we actually have a uh, an exercise routine that was. Uh, made by some of our first guys that took us up on this in in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. And uh, they designed this uh, workout precisely for guys that are intimidated by the gym, you know, don't don't love to be there. Maybe they've got a gut. I don't know. You know, they they just don't want to do that stuff. So there's actually a 90-day exercise regimen that uh, doesn't require you to leave the comfort of your home. Only takes about 20, 25 minutes to do. Um, And, uh, you know, can can kind of be a, a first step into, you know, physical health. And then, uh, so big part of this is, uh, you know, uh, your group prayer and your fraternity meetings. So every fraternity is meant to meet at least one time per week. Uh, again, Exodus 90 is not a self-help program. This <laughs> is not made to, to be, to go it alone basically. And, uh, so as a result, a part of that fraternity component is the weekly, weekly meeting, which we could get into later. Sure. Uh, you're not supposed to make any material purchases without the permission of the fraternity. So really trying to remove the sort of medication that the Amazon.com buy now with one click button can be for us when we're not doing so well or distracted. And lastly, we encourage, uh, you know, us to, to sleep, you know, to, to, to get a minimum of seven hours or a full night's sleep, uh, whatever that means for you. Um, I suppose the, the last thing to, to consider is that Wednesdays and Fridays are serious fast days. So we call our men to uh, treat every Wednesday like the church asks us to fast on Ash Wednesday and every Friday as the church asks us to fast on on Good Friday. So those are all of the ways that uh, we say no during Exodus 90. And uh, I think the thing that I, I really do like to emphasize is that though you are denying yourself dozens of times a day, and though that does absolutely weigh on you, and if you're doing it correctly, makes you uncomfortable, uh, I, I like to say that if you don't think about quitting this thing uh, at, at least some point during the program, you, you may not be doing it right. <laughs> That's right. Um, so uh, all that's to say, we say no, we truly say no, but that's so that we can say yes. And uh, that, that, that really kind of shines through in your contemplative life as this whole experience un- unfolds. Uh, we're removing these things which are so often become distractions, which are not essential for our lives to return us to the essential. And that's, that's our relationships, you know, with God and uh, obviously those that he's entrusted to, to our care. So, 
Well, I'm sure uh, if someone hasn't heard of XS90 before or some of these things, it can be a bit shocking at first. It's like, oh my, it just the list just keeps going. And it's like cold showers, I think, would be uh, a non-starter for a lot of people. But this, as the list proceeds, it kind of piles and piles and piles. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's a very rigorous program. It's one that, again, I'm going through Princely right now. And I, I totally agree with you as, uh, you know, starting January 1st is kind of what our brotherhood began with. And as we're getting into February, then launching into Lent gear, yeah, the, the considerations of, am I really going to keep doing this? Uh, do I really, you know, uh, do do come to mind? Um, love to hear and get into a little bit the story behind XS90. Because again, as we've talked about the concept of freedom might be clicking for some people then, but and as we've given these, this list of the different things, people might think, well, sure, is that, sure. you know, is that, is that too extreme or how does somebody come up with this or what, what army commander decided, you know, yeah. these, like who, who morphed like an army commander and a, a Catholic together to like create this gauntlet of, um, sacrifice, um, and sacrificial penance, like what's going on here and what's yeah. some of the meaning behind it. And I, I really want to get into this story because I think it's a great one and I would love for you to, to dive in. Yeah. I, I really don't think Exodus 90 can fully be appreciated without its context, without its history. Yeah. yeah. And um, so basically a mentor for me, actually my confirmation sponsor uh, is a priest. He was formerly the vocations director for the diocese of Lafayette, Indiana. And he was assigned as the vice rector of human formation at Mount St. Mary's uh, Theological Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And uh, when he arrived out there, um, you know, he, he noticed, obviously, that these are young guys, good men, obviously have a, a holy intention to, to lay down their lives in service for God's people in holy orders. Um, but his honest diagnosis was they're just not as free as they need to be. To, to make these promises and to, to live a, you know, a fulfilling and happy existence, you know, as a priest. And um, so I think that's profound. I don't know how much, you know, you know, Kevin, or uh, about seminary formation, but um, obviously all these seminarians are voted on uh, every year, actually, to whether or not they can continue in their discernment of the priesthood. Oh, wow. And so as a result, uh, that's a good thing that the church needs the best, uh, as priests, but, you know, that can kind of create a little bit of a, a tension, you know, between the formation staff and the men, you know, yep. and a lot of times that goes on, you know, a little bit unstated, but uh, Father Dor just has a way of really just getting down into the mess and not just kind of commanding from the top, hmm. but really leading from, you know, within the struggle. And so he took five of these, these, these guys who, um, you know, we're, yeah, we're not free. What does that look like? What does unfreedom look like? You know, it does mm. look like pornography addiction. Sure. It does look like, you know, the Netflix binge. Uh, it does look like wasting away lives on, on video games and alternative universes, which have little to no bearing upon reality. You know, mm -hmm. it does look like, you know, sort of medicating harder times with food and drink. Um, you know, but the ways that we distract ourselves from the truth our, 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 our custom, custom built to us. So mm -hmm. those were some of the initial trials, but we all have our own stuff. You know, we all have our own stuff. And it was precisely that, that Father Dorr wanted to help these young men work through. So um, he said, all right, for 90 days, we're going to pray, practice asceticism and live in a, an accountable fraternity like we never had before. That was the, mm. that was the, the, the vision for it. 90 was not a marketing thing. We got to remember this is not a, it's not from a, a publishing house. This is not a, 
There's no websites. There's no nothing. Just a total experiment, okay? Yeah. And uh, 90 was based off of his reading of, of the sciences, and there's well-documented um, neurological, you know, documentation that states that it, it, it just give it 90 days and your brain can return to a more natural chemical state. Hmm. So, so kind of like the AA thought, right? 90 meetings in 90 days. So you'll see this in the literature so much, this emphasis on the number 90. So again, this was not like some kind of like Catholic P90X thought. Oh, sure. Based off of his, his reading there of, of brain chemistry. Hmm. They were going to pray. Uh, they were going to walk through the book of Exodus, uh, Father Door, I think, was, was, you know, I've only come to appreciate this as time has gone on. But that story of the people of Israel, you know, slaves in Egypt, uh, is just so apropos to, to modern men. Hmm. And um, I think about this, too, even at the very, be- very beginning of that scripture, it talks about how the Hebrew people are a multitude. You know, some translations say, like, they were exceedingly strong. You know, and that's why Pharaoh is afraid of them, right? But how 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 apropos is that? Like, we're men are strong, and it's sometimes our strength that 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 that's not used for good and leads to a form of slavery. Hmm. And so, uh, anyway, Father Door, you know, you, 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 they walked through the Book of Exodus every day, kind of Father Door doing some some good exegesis, kind of relying on the Church Fathers in a particular way to to open up the text. Uh, they were going to practice penance, you know, the list we've already talked about, uh, really to make the story enfleshed in their life. You know, Bible studies are beautiful things. The word is alive and it can absolutely transform. And, you know, I've seen that. Obviously, you've seen that. And, and I'm sure many of uh, you know the listeners today have seen this. Um, but when it remains solely cognitive and doesn't have a bearing upon our lives, you know, there's a disconnect there. You know, the word is meant to be enfleshed, just like the logos. Hmm. And so that's where this this regimen becomes significant. Uh, you know, we are a body-soul composite, you know, and, and we're not just meant to think. You know, we're meant to live. And, and our ideas, what we read, absolutely should inform the way we live. And that regimen is really getting at that that principle there. And then lastly, it was the the fraternity, right? This is, again, not a self-help program. It never was at the start. Yep. Uh, and uh, part of what can be so powerful, and I don't know if this is true of your experience so far, but it's seeing God's action in other people. Uh, it, uh, I've seen scales fall from men's eyes as they're making this journey. Mm. And uh, we can talk about maybe some of those testimonies or, or fruits later yeah. on, but oh, yeah. it's seeing God's action in the brotherhood, which keeps you engaged and and, and it absolutely keeps you accountable as well to the disciplines when you don't want to. You don't want to wake up and take a cold shower. Yep. I want a snack. You know, I, I don't always want to go to the gym. You know, I don't want to do a holy hour every day uh, sometimes. And so, so you know, that fraternity component is, is there. So, again, it's prayer. It's asceticism. It's brotherhood, all of which is oriented to, to growth and personal freedom so that we can ultimately give ourselves away in love. That's where that's where this whole thing came from. And so I kind of entered the story, I suppose, uh, about three years ago now. Father Dorr, I was actually, I had just discerned out of the seminary. I was, uh, you know, like any any millennial in a quarter life crisis, I, <laughs> I took to the trains in Europe. I was just bumming trains from, from Italy mm. to Finland. And, and Father Dorr sent me this email and it had a Word document with the words Exodus on the top. And so I was not a part of the original fraternities. Oh, wow. But I just I 
saw the text. I saw these pages of, of testimony. And so my task was to take this little blog we had started called thosecatholicmen.com and see if we can't turn readers uh, into protagonists and get them mm -hmm. forming brotherhoods. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll never forget I arrived in Paris, France, actually, visiting my brother. who was, His name is Doyle. He was studying at the, the Sorbonne uh, in Paris that year. And uh, I was like, Doyle, it's going to take me 10 grand to launch this Exodus 90 site. You know, like, I don't, you know, I don't have that money. I, you don't have that money. Where are we going to get this? And so we go fund me the thing. And in 10 days, mm. we had 10 grand. And oh, wow. by the time I arrived in Finland, uh, at the end of my trip, Exodus 90 was, was launched. And guys were signing up in what seemed like magic to me. Oh, holy um, wow. So. That was that was about that was about two and a half years ago when we launched the the site. Uh, so there's lots we could say about where that's that's come since then. But that's the story, uh, you know, behind Exodus ninety. Yeah, that's amazing. I think the thing that stood out to me, of course, is you know if our seminarians are struggling with these things, these men who have said, "I want to make this radical decision to pursue God's will in my life, to give myself to the church, to be celibate," all these things. If if those those guys are struggling with these things, how much more are people in the church and society um, where, you know, it's really become our culture, like you said, whether it's video games, pornography, um, you know, it, it's depending on the person, alcohol, different addictions, whatever they may be in whatever, whatever form they come in which, uh, you know, really prevent our freedom. Um, yeah. It's just amazing how much we are struggling with this yeah. problem. Yeah. And uh, well, no, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're totally right to just ask the question, like, what about other men, you know? And, mm -hmm. And that's precisely the question at the very beginning of the book was, this was true in the seminary. What about other guys, guys preparing for marriage, yep. guys discerning vocation? Um, and uh, yeah, you know, that is that is the question. I think too, you know, again, we, we kind of got pinned early on as a chastity program and, and chastity can be a big part of this for, for many people, but yeah. it's just bigger than that. And, yep. and, and I think what it actually speaks to is, you know, even, you know, from the time of the fall, you know, like we, as, 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 as create, you know, as human beings, fallen human beings, we, we, <laughs> you know, God looks for Adam in the, in, in, in the garden, right? On his walk. And, and, and Adam hides himself. And then he calls, you know, then he finally responds and then he blames Eve and, and you know, all these things. We are afraid of the truth, even though the truth sets us free. Hmm. And, um, you know, we are all afraid of the truth. You know, we, we are all afraid of what, you know, what that can mean for us. I, I think it's really important for us in the church, especially those who are intentional disciples of Christ, to just accept the fact that even you are full of it. <laughs> you yep. know, even you deceive yourself. Yep. And uh, it's okay. You know, it's not to be, you know, that is a little bit scary, I suppose. Um, but uh, it's okay. You know, it's like, it's that, that's where we start when we accept that we're not there. And so one of the things, one of the ways, you know, we kind of got criticized or we do get criticized sometimes. It's like, oh, are you trying to, to form the Navy SEALs of Catholics or, or something like that? And it's like, no, I think yeah. that's precisely wrong. I think the people that are doing Exodus 90 just have a, a sense that, you know what, I'm not there yet. And mm -hmm. with, some, with some hard work, with a lot of grace, and with the support of, of others, I can, I can arrive at the truth, you know, and I can give myself more fully. I can live a, left, a less distracted life. 
Uh, so I, I like to say that Exodus 90 is precisely not for those who have it together, but those who have really the humility to accept, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm not there. And maybe after this, I can be a little bit closer uh, to, to who God's made me to be. And like you said, I mean, <clears throat> there can be some situations in which people have some very overt issues they need to work through. But, um, you know, I think when it comes to freedom, the dick things we're addicted to, again, big or small, a lot of times they're not things that um, are very overt, but things that over time uh, in the course of our lives and the course of um, our daily routines and patterns, it's not as if one day we decided to put shackles on ourselves to not be free. It's right. almost as if slowly and surely these shackles have gotten on us. And the only way to realize that they're actually there is to go through something like Exodus 90, to deny yourself of so many things. And in the process, you look at yourself and realize, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm shackled. And I had no idea that I depended on that for something in my life. But again, big or small, that is presenting my, preventing my freedom. And so I, I know we're, we've got to move a little bit here to get to the four uh, components because we want to take this experience of Exodus 90 and transfer it over to um, whether someone wants to go through Exodus 90 themselves or they want to try to figure out what they're going to do for Lent. But before we get to those components, um, I want to hear a little bit about the success stories, maybe one, maybe two uh, real quick that you might have. I know that we have a similar thing with our book, Dating Detox, it's a it's a 40-day uh, program that walks people through how to love and be loved. I think sometimes, you know, we ask people to go on a dating fast in that book, and um, certainly not as extreme as Excess 90, but at times people go, boy, this is a lot. But when you hear the success stories, all of a sudden it clicks in people's minds of, okay, but it's worth it. And I think the same thing is true for Excess 90. Yeah. Um, wow, this is extreme. I'm not so sure. But on the flip side, when you hear the success stories, it's, Okay, it's working. So I'd love to hear, yeah, one or one or two of those, if you if you could. For sure, yeah. I mean, uh, so I'll, I'll keep names anonymous, but one one man in Minnesota wrote to me very early on. Actually, uh, this was uh, darn near ninety days after we launched the thing, hmm. and uh, he wrote to us about how you know, he, yeah, he's had a, a struggle with pornography for four decades, so he's about hmm. fifty five. And uh, he just said by the, the end of the 90 days, you know, he's, he's had a, a greater level of freedom than he's ever had before. And uh, we've stayed in touch. And he's someone who's, who's an example of how, you know, we don't pretend to be therapists. You know, we don't pretend to be anything but a help or a step towards recovery for those in the throes of an addiction. Yep. For that man, uh, it was certainly the case. I think probably my two favorite kinds of testimonies, if you will, are first mm -hmm. the relationships one. Um, wives at the beginning of this can be really uh, skeptical for sure. Like, why would you do something like this? Or this yeah. is going to have an impact on our family. But after about 30, 30 to 40 days, men, because of the disciplines, are, are forced to return to what's essential. And that's the relationship with, you know, their bride. You know, that's mm -hmm. how, and, and, and it, it forces them in a way back into reality, which is communication with, you know, you know, she who they've committed themselves to. By the end, the, we, we hear this all the time. These women love this thing because yep. their men are more communicative. They're more present. They play with their kids again. We hear that too. Uh, and I love that. For me, in a particular way, I I just have a real passion for um, laymen in the, in the world, you know, working at Fortune 500 companies 
who are trying to find a way to integrate faith and business in an environment that's just very hostile. The world, mm -hmm. liberalism, seems to embed itself in corporation, and rightly so. That's where power is. Power is not, you know, politics can be a lot of a game, as we see all the time, but yeah. it's corporations who have the authority. It's corporations who, who make the decisions. It's corporations which, you know, sway us and move us and dictate what we buy, when we buy, and how we buy it. And uh, the, the stories that I love are actually in the workplace, hmm. you know, co-workers who kind of rally together to, to try to live a more free existence um, within the context of their of their work. You know, I, th those are my favorite things. The other thing I will say, I, not that this is a, you know, a sales program or a, an yeah. efficiency program or whatever, but when you are truly using your technology as a tool again, you are way more productive. <laughs> you are way more productive. So those are, you know, probably my other kinds of testimonies that I love so much um, is that, uh, you know, guys are, are, are working like they've never worked before. And that typically manifests itself in being able to spend more time with their families, you know, leaving at four, not working on the weekends, etc. So those are my two, you know, a couple favorite kinds of testimonies. I will just say, demographically speaking, Exodus is, you know, a little bit of an anomaly because 20 to 30 percent, or I'm sorry, over 50% of our men are in their 20s and 30s. Hmm. So this has a very a, a millennial kind of grasp on this. Uh, about 30, 35% of men are in their, their 30s and 40s. Very small percentage of guys are 65 and older, and we have a growing uh, group of, of those in high school. So hmm. this is really speaking to younger guys who who have kind of grown up in this 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 cultural landscape, the effects of technology, and are trying to to find a way to live a meaningful life uh, in this time. So um, those are the guys that are doing it. And uh, as far as a number, uh, we've we've probably impacted about ten thousand men so far with Exodus ninety in a, wow. about two, two and a half years. Wow. So Exodus is really moving guys who do this. They do it and they come back to it and they bring friends. So we're growing about a hundred percent every seven to nine months, which is kind of amazing wow. to me. Um, but uh, you know, when you encounter your freedom, you can't help but tell your friends so that they can experience that. But you're right, Kevin, when you said, I mean, you just find yourself drifting away, and it's not your fault. It's mm. just it's, it's our fallen nature. It's the distractions of our time, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, Gosh, how did I get here? Yep. You know, and that's why Exodus 90 is helping these guys like it is. So, Absolutely. Well, this is, um, I love that story. I love the results. We're talking about how to Exodus 90 today and say no, uh, say no to say yes. And want to dive into the four components as we're processing uh, the story of Exodus 90, the results, this is the whole process. I'm sure there's guys out there who are thinking, wow, maybe Exodus 90 is for me. Uh, Lint is coming up. And so obviously when we come to Lint, uh, so often it's easy to say, all right, I'm going to give up chocolate or I'm going to um, watch less TV or whatever it might be. But I think one thing that's really stood out to me at Exodus 90 is that um, just really going for it, really trying to look at your life and saying, I'm going to I'm gonna break the way that I live. I'm going to break the way that I that I think. And then I'm going to rebuild that in Christ and really have that, that might of Christ to, to live that out. And so I want to walk through the four main components of Exodus 90 and just whether you do Exodus 90 or not, uh, as you're thinking about your own Lenten experience, what can we learn from Exodus 90? Um, and how can we be inspired? And then, uh, then uh, this is how to Catholic. So how can we then put that into practice? So um, James, right before you get the four components, Exodus 90 is a program for men. 
Um, and I know sometimes people thought like, is there a program for women out there? Um, I know some wives do it as well. Uh, any thoughts on, uh, on that component right there? If, yeah. It being for sure. men and not, not necessarily men and women. Yeah. So the, the truth, we get the question every day at this point, and it's a great question. Uh, I will say Exodus 90 is for men. You know, this content was written by a priest to young seminarians, which we've then translated to, to laymen across the, you know, across disciplines, across industries, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and pretty quickly on in the text, you'll see, wow, yeah, this is for, this is for men and their struggles, their particular struggles. Yep. Um, I would say, you know, that uh, here, here's the invitation, I guess. Uh, I'm not totally convinced that the 90-day process, as it's laid out in Exodus 90, is built for women. I'm not sold uh, on that. That being said, the thing that I say all the time is if you, if you know a spiritual mother, you know, a consecrated person, a nun, a holy laywoman that feels called to really enter into this and to write this experience for women, we'll have the conversation, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to, to entertain that. Uh, and, and kind of, this is, you know, kind of lay out, uh, you know, where we're, we've come from with this for, for men, but, you know, we're just a small team on the back and we, we're, we're very, very focused on, on freeing Catholic men. And that's, that's our purpose of our whole nonprofit at those Catholic men. And so, uh, we're, we're very focused on that knowing full well that when men are free, wives, win, children, win, you know, and uh, they're not forgotten in this either. That's that's the other thing I would just say. Fantastic. So. Cool. So let's dive into the four components. The first yeah. one is prayer. So thinking about prayer with XS90, how, how might that apply just as we're thinking through our own prayer lives for Lent? What, what are some lessons that we could learn here? Yeah. So I would just really encourage listeners to read the Bible. Uh, hmm. Wow, that's pretty broad, you know? Yep. Um, but uh, I think in a particular way, the Old Testament. So I was just finishing this book uh, by Romano Guardini. If you don't know him, please look him up. He is uh, really an influential uh, man who is in the 20th century. And uh, if you like Pope Benedict, Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Francis, all these guys at their core are really just fleshing out what Guardini said before they did. (laughs) So I'd really encourage you to look up uh, Romano Guardini. So I'm reading this book at the end of the modern world and he's talking about our time. And uh, he thought that in a particular way in which demonic forces seem to be growing our slavery in a particular way to technology seems to be even uncontrollable. uh, Mm -hmm. He thought that the power and action of God in the old Testament was going to take on a new significance for us. Hmm. So uh, maybe just a, a practical thing in, in Exodus 90, we do literally walk through the book of Exodus. And some of those passages are very long. Um, some of them are seem to be like, gosh, is there any meaning in this? But we, I think we just need to get a little bit, uh, not fundamentalist, don't take this the wrong way, but just uh, respectful. This is the word. And this has a, an, a, a power if I read it. So uh, I would just really encourage folks to, to read the Bible as far as how to understand some of the stories. There is no firmer ground you can stand on than the church fathers. Mm. Uh, some of it's harder to, to access than others, but you'd be surprised how, how, how honestly at times, how, how easily they can be read. So many of the days of Exodus 90, you'll, you'll see a, a quotation from, from an early church father so uh, I'm referring to the, the, the bishops of uh, really the third and fourth centuries who, um, 
you know, if you don't know anything about that time, uh, really helped to formulate the tradition that we've inherited, uh, translating, you know, Christ's saving message into an institution that is his bride, the church. Uh, so, so uh, you know, where to look for how to get at these scriptures? Go to the church fathers. You know, they are, you know, their, their words are like bread, <laughs> mm. you know, is what I like to say. So, um, you know, maybe this Lent, consider taking up, um, you know, Genesis, Exodus, you know, take a look at those stories. I, I, I just think that you will, you will, your life will make so much more sense when you, when it can be read within the context of, of, of the saving word and, uh, you know, how we've, you know, become who we are as, as, as men and women. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, yeah, we've, I think we've, we've, we've talked a lot on this show about the power of story and narrative on how to Catholic. And I think just seeing that in the background of your prayer life as you're going through your experience is really, yeah, really powerful. I know even just our, our pastor this week has everyone in RCA read Exodus as they're going through it to really help them understand this process of, of becoming Catholic. And we, we all need a story. We all need a narrative. Uh, we're going to find that somewhere in the world. Uh, what better one than, than the word of God. And, and as James was talking about using those early church fathers. So great. So prayer can provide, um, that conversation with God. It can provide that narrative as well. What about our second component, uh, as we look at asceticism? Yeah, so right before uh, asceticism, I would just say, oh, you yeah. know, you might try the scriptures in a translation that's not the readings from Mass. Hmm. So one that I'm reading now and that we actually use in Exodus 90 is the Knox translation. Okay. Really interesting history behind that Fulton Sheen's favorite translation of the scripture. Hmm. It was actually used during the liturgy for the 10 years preceding Vatican II. Okay. Uh, in England, uh, I'm, I believe Ronald Knox was a, uh, a priest uh, in England. Um, so anyway, you might just try to, if, if it helps, if you need a new sort of access or point of entry into the scripture, you might try a new translation. I'd recommend Knox. As far as the second thing, um, asceticism, you know, yeah, saying no helps us to say yes is kind of that principle generally understood, I think. Uh, we see this so clearly in the scriptures, you know, where Christ lays out for us the need to, to deny ourselves. Um, when we read the scriptures as they are, it's pretty hard to discern a prosperity gospel and, and not a, not be deceiving yourself. And, uh, you know, part of Christian life is just, it's denial. Now, the Lord has given us many opportunities for that within the natural course of our days, you know. I just mm -hmm. note a, almost a foot on us, you know, and it's like, I'm freezing cold this morning, you know. Yeah. That's an opportunity, you know, that, that's given to me by nature. You know, um, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities throughout the natural course of our days, obviously within our vocations, you know, whether you're a priest kind of dealing with the day to day or some of the annoying drama of parish life. And, and we know it can be that that way sometimes, unfortunately, or whether it's, you know, the sick kids or, you know, whatever it is at, at home, you know, for the layman, what, whatever that is, you know, there are all kinds of things that happen to us. If we are intentional, we can see them as a form of of, of a healthy penance. At the same time, there are things that we should do to ourselves that we really don't want to do, yep. or we should say, yeah, just say no. So, um, you know, we'll get to our, our challenge later and it is a, a kind of an ascetical challenge, a, a penitential challenge. But when we say no, it ultimately puts us in a position to, to say yes. Uh, so something worth examining for sure this Lent, um, you know, and maybe it, it can be a little bit more than just not eating chocolate you know, or, or, you know, whatever that is, but, 
these forms of saying no help us to to say yes to the Lord. And obviously, when we're we're picking out some of these things, it's helpful to have a spiritual director or to take counsel with with a priest. Maybe in the context of confession, could be an opportunity. But I do think it's it's great to find something that really. And that's something that Exodus 90 is teaching me too, is find something that you feel like is out of your reach. Something like you said that you don't want to do, something that's very concrete, something that's an obstacle uh, in your day, um, not to frustrate you, but to give you an opportunity to say, I I am not a slave to these things. And I think whether it be social media, um, I think it's, is, is a one that we all face. Um, but I think there's so many other ways, whether it's cold showers, whether it's snacking. My, my goodness, I, I just realized how, how much I want things on demand. We live in an on-demand world. And so we constantly pacify and comf- give ourselves comfort whenever we want. And, and that's one of those shackles I don't think we realize that we have. That's one of those things in the ancient world and the modern world. Um, we don't realize that we have that. Whenever we want something, we get it. And to remove some of those things from our life, not in a way that's not the non-essential things, but things like snacking. It's like, I, I can give myself good nutrition during the three meals of a day. That's that's a, a very normal thing to do. I don't need snacks. Um, I actually don't need dessert. Um, I, some of these things we don't, I don't need to look at social media every time I get bored. I don't need to watch a show before I go to bed to make sure that I am entertained for 30 minutes. These are things I I've convinced myself that they're necessities in my daily routine. And when in reality, they're completely not, you know, so finding those moments, finding those times where you go, boy, this is really going to hurt not to watch the Super Bowl. This is really going to hurt not to watch the new season of that show that I love. It's really going to hurt X, Y, or Z. Find where it hurts because behind where it hurts, there's a why. There's a, this is, I'm using this thing to, to do something, to give me comfort, to do something in my life, to relieve stress that might not necessarily be helpful. And it, it helps us begin to scratch and, and to find that out. So I love, love asceticism. Uh, James, want to move on to our saint quote to live by. What you pointed out was Exodus 4.23. I'll read it and then let you explain a little bit of the meaning. It comes from Moses, who's a saintly figure, and it's, let my son go that he may love me. It's a quote from um, our, our Lord that Moses tells to Pharaoh. So if you want to give us a little bit of background, what that means for Exodus 90. Yeah, for us, it's just simply this, you know, let my son go that he may love me is to say that um, the Lord desires our freedom. You know, he didn't make us for slavery. You know, he made us for communion hmm. uh, with each other and obviously with him. And uh, I think it, you know, he and he is so moved even by our chains, you know, like, let's think about this in the old, you know, that, that story, the Red Sea was ultimately what kept them where they were, you know, like it was the sort of the, the boundary line, if you will, and they walked straight through it. And it's the same thing with our sin and our slavery, whatever that is for us. The Lord has this marvelous ability to turn, you know, our, our greatest fault into the source of our attraction, the source of our beauty and the source of our holiness in a way, honestly. I mean, look at the cross, you know, the the greatest tragedy the world's ever seen becomes the means of salvation for us. So the Lord desires our freedom and he wants us free. And the reason for that is he wants to be loved. You know, we cannot fully love if we are not free. Uh, just like Father Dor-, Dor says, and that scripture yeah. speaks to so, so beautifully. That's great. And I think, um, I love that image of the Red Sea and how it seems like a, just an incredible op- obstacle. And I think, 
uh, at times in our life, and I know for so many of our listeners, there's obstacles in your life that you think are unachievable, that the Lord actually can't provide freedom in these areas. And I, what I'd say to you is find small areas of victory, just like the Israelites found different areas of victory that lead up to that that greater victory and to be able to exercise our will and our passions and our mind in a way that glorifies the Lord is going to train you and build you up to be able to get to that Red Sea moment where you can start to face your bigger fears, face those bigger giants in your life and um, get to that point. It, it won't happen when we sit back and we stay in fear and when we stay in com- complacency. It's going to happen when we prepare for battle and we start to find these smaller victories in our lives. So I love I love that imagery. All right, we have two more components here as we're looking through this. I really love this next one, and it is brotherhood. So tell us a little bit more about how we can apply this concept of brotherhood, this accountability groups or these meeting groups that happen with Exodus 90. What that, what might that look like uh, in the context of somebody's Lent? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I will say Anthony Esselin has this great quote where he says, you know, a soldier alone is no soldier at all. Hmm. Um, and uh, Esselin's a, kind of a, a polarizing figure, but I think a prophet in a lot of ways. And so it's just the thought that, uh, you know, Christianity is not never meant to be lived in a, a silo. It's it's primarily a community. I was just reading through a, a book by Ratzinger on the meaning of Christian brotherhood. And, oh, I uh, read that this week. Seriously? I yeah. did. I read the whole thing this week because I'm so free Thanks. to read things that I read on yeah. Christian brother. It's a really good read, huh? So, so good. That's so funny. Yeah. So I was just reading it through again this week too. Um, but small text, powerful text is actually pretty influential, I guess, in Scott Hahn's conversion, uh, which he notes at the beginning of that, that book in the intro. So worth picking up for the, for the listeners for sure. And, uh, I was so fascinated where towards the end where Ratzinger, um, quotes, uh, I think Cyprian, St. Cyprian, one of the church fathers we've you know alluded to earlier mm-hmm. and that when he's talking about the, our father, he chooses in his commentary to place focus on our Hmm. not father as he's discussing the our father and i thought that was super significant which is to say like you know christ reveals that our relationship among one another is is primarily communal it's brotherly it's 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 a brotherhood it's a it's a fraternity and um that's that's amazing and that's because we have god as a father that is the the singular revelation of jesus christ if we had to distill it all the way down what is it we are in relationship with the father so, uh, you know, Christianity, it is communal. It is supposed to be brotherly. Um, I would just say, like, if you don't have a fraternity to which you're accountable, you're just not living the Christian life as it could be. And it's harder on you than it needs to be. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, gosh, and I'll just be honest. I mean, leaving the seminary, that was one of the things that was so hard for me to, like, kind of get my bearing was like, gosh, like, who is my primary fraternity now? Mm. You know, now that I don't have these, my, you know, my close friends and Fortunately, you know, moving up to Fort Wayne, I've been gifted with with some great men doing some great things with their lives. Yeah. Uh, and it's brought a, a a new sort of light for me. And I'll, I'll be honest to say, like in that about about nine months to a year where I really didn't have that. Gosh, the faith was just way harder than it needed to be for me. Um, you know, uh, you know, so that's what I would say. If you don't have a brotherhood form one, you know, be a protagonist, get out there, ask people. This is, you know, you want to talk about evangelization. You want to talk about um, you know, lifelong mission, you know, it's like, if you don't have, you know, a fraternity, like be a protagonist, like get out there, you know, it build one. And it's, it's to say also just to acknowledge that, 
Like you can be involved in all kind of institutions in the church and be accountable to none of no one in them. Yep. Um, you know, so so I don't care if you know you can check boxes. I don't care if you're participants in this, that, or the other thing. But if you are not accountable to someone and thus not inspired by them, faith is going to be way too hard for you. Um, and uh, so anyway, I just think yep. it's it's important to you know get out there and 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 find others to journey with. And I think. Um, Something like Exodus 90, Dating Detox, again, it didn't have, we're not salesmen here, whether it's these or something else, but providing some type of rally point to get this brotherhood or to get this sisterhood, I think is so important to say, we're going to do something bold and invite people to be that protagonist, invite other people into that is so huge. Um, because, you know, it's, it's difficult to have a sisterhood or a brotherhood um, about not doing anything. Like, hey, we're not going to do any, we're going to give up chocolate. Does everyone want to meet each week to talk about it? Like... You're not gonna. You're not gonna do that. Like, do seek greatness, but then invite others into that greatness, and that's what rallies people. And I know, exactly. uh, particularly for I, men, that's that's huge. Yeah, I no, you're totally right there. I, I'll never forget. I had a, a priest hero in my life in college. His name's Father Michael Keating, hmm. and uh, just an incredible man. And one of the things he taught me that had a big effect on me was that, in a particular way for men, as soon as you seek community for its own sake you're going to lose it and things are going to be weird. But if you can go do something together, if you have a purpose, a mission, you're going to find yourself in the bonds of brotherhood. You're going to be able to, in a way, like relax in them in a way that's like, wow, this is really something else. So yeah. I just think of, you know, I played golf growing up, big golfer. And man, those guys we that I played golf with at Zionsville High School, oh gosh, you know, I will never forget those those thrills, winning matches, losing tragedies, you know? Yeah. Um, we had something we were doing and the Christian life, it, you know, is meant to, 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 to be that action, uh, if you will. So good. So let's get to our fourth one here is freedom. Uh, maybe briefly looking at what is, what does that look like for everyone's Linton plan? Uh, as we look at excess 90 and then how we can be free with what we decide yeah. to do. Yeah. I think more than anything, you know, as far as a how to point, it's just to place your freedom on the pinnacle. Uh, just to, to, to defend it so much. And ultimately, it's not meant to become, you know, we don't use it for ourselves. We don't use it to be selfish. We use it to give it away to those we're called to give it away to. Um, so more than anything, I guess I just encourage folks to, to, to very practically remember that as we're making these, these penitential sacrifices throughout Lent, but hopefully well beyond that as well, uh, we remember that the purpose is, is personal freedom. Um, if we forget that end, if we forget that reason or that why, penances just become useless. They just become gongs and clashing symbols to get scriptural, you know, yeah. or just pagan, frankly. So it's just so important to remember, why am I doing this? You know, why am I giving this up? It's so that I can be free, so that I can love. Uh, so that's what I would say. Yeah, and it's so counterintuitive. I've, you know, for some of my own personal testimony with Exodus 90, you would think that when you have all these penances, you'd be uh, very drab or upset or, or frustrated, and surely that can happen. But I found myself to be more joyful, um, which is odd, because you think if you're denying yourself of these things, um, that would cause you, yeah, to, to not, not be very happy. But I think that's the whole concept of freedom. When we find this freedom, 
we're actually able to be joyful. We're actually able to not just seek our own comfort uh, at every at every turn. And because of that, we turn and we shift our attitude from how can the world serve me and what is my next pleasure to how can I serve others and how can I be joyful even without those things. And um, yeah, it's just been a really uh, neat process to go through. So as we end our show, we always end with a how-to Catholic challenge. And James, if you want to uh, give our listeners what our challenge is this week. Yeah, I'd really encourage folks to, to take cold showers. Uh, it is easily the most reported frustrating discipline of, of the lot uh, from the men that do Exodus 90. Uh, if you got longer hair, you're, you're a woman, maybe cold showers is just like not for you and just not, not any good. I know my fiance won't, won't do the cold showers, that's for sure. She, she doesn't want to try those. So, you know, if it's not for you, you know, you might take a shorter shower um, you know, or closer to a lukewarm shower. It's a great way, I mean, to wake up and say no. And it sets a whole kind of frame uh, in a way that's kind of very synonymous with St. Jose Maria's thought about, you know, tending to the fire early in the morning to, to, to keep you warm. And that happens through self-denial. So, uh, yeah, take a cold shower. That's really good. Yeah, I think um, that's really huge to, to think about trying and uh, being willing to do um, really to to put yourself out there to, to try something. I know for my mornings, I always regret, uh, regret. I don't know if regrets that word, but I'm always not very happy about getting into a, a cold shower, but I usually actually feel better afterwards. I feel more awake. I feel more alert. And, um, so, uh, I, uh, I'm beginning to like them. I don't know. I've asked myself, could I, uh, take cold showers, um, after I'm done with, with excess 90, I'm not quite sure <laughs> if uh, I'll be able to do that. But hey, you, uh, you maybe know, that just makes you sane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that might just make me sane. <laughs> well, very, very good, James. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Um, if you want to learn more about excess 90, you can go to excess 90. Com. You can also visit thosecatholicmen.com. Uh, they just started a podcast, so you can find that on iTunes. Uh, really be able to access a lot of their content um, via audio, which a lot of our uh, podcast listeners like to do. Um, you can contact James at james.baxter at thosecatholicmen.com. There's also a contact form on thosecatholicmen.com. Well, that's been our show for today. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, If you want to get in touch with Lisa or myself, you can find us on social media at Kevin R. Cotter and Lisa at Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E, both on Twitter and Instagram. As always, we'd love for you to have a rating for our show. That really helps get the word out uh, about what we're doing here at How To Catholic. So, please, uh, we'd love it for you to go to iTunes and make that rating. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. And remember, be saints. It's worth it.